The desire of Titus Women is to invite women around the world to know Jesus as their Savior, Center, and Source. May God guide and encourage you through this message. As Jesus is here, we spoke in his name. He set you free. Set me free. That he did a deeper work in each one of us. Now, I don't know about you, but I sure do want more. You've heard that I was a part of that outpouring, and that's a huge, huge gift. Because when you've tasted and seen that he is good, nothing else satisfies. Nothing else satisfies. My desires have changed since the outpouring, because I've been in his presence. My affections have been rightly ordered because I've been in his presence. And I pray that as we come into his presence tonight, he would do the same for you. Anything that's out of order in your life would come into order under his name and authority. Any desire that is not from him would be ordered under his authority. Because when you taste and see that he is good, nothing else Satisfies. And I'm not greedy. I just want more. I just want more. I think about the, our verse in Ephesians, a few verses before it, Joy read it last night. I can't stop thanking my God every time I remember you. And when I think about this room of women and the, those of you who have prayed so faithfully for this generation and for an outpouring of God in our college campuses, I can't stop giving thanks for you. It happened at Asbury, but we had, it was because of prayers of so many people. So many people, you in this room included. And we saw God continue to pour himself out over and over again. And he hasn't stopped. He hasn't stopped. He did it last night. He did it this morning. He did it this afternoon. And I know he'll do it again tonight. See, he's moving. And he's coming after his kids. I can't stop thanking God for you. Because you had a part in that. Every prayer, every tear that you cried, for your family, for your kids, for your grandkids, for our college campuses, boy, is he answering. So get your hopes up. Get your hopes up tonight for what he can do. If you don't have faith that he can do it, I sure do right now. I can do a lot with my faith combined. Now, I don't know if I've already shared this story here because honestly, after that point, half my memory's gone. It's just been full of so many new things. It's a beautiful thing. But when I was in sixth grade, I don't know if you guys had to do this in middle school, but you take a career test. But when I was in sixth grade, we took this test, and you know, other of my, other of my friends are going to be a doctor and lawyer and teacher. Someone even got a singing telegram, which that would never be me to sit next to me singing, but that would be awesome. Mine came back, funeral home director. In sixth grade, I didn't even know you could do that. That's not something like you're going to tell your friends. Like, you dead people? I don't know. Like, I can actually see now why I would, I would actually be a good funeral home director. But my second, my second and third one were um, pastor and missionary and counselor. So like, I've done a couple of Those others you have done, but funeral home director, not quite. But I realize I'm actually a pretty good funeral director in my own life. 
especially when it comes to hope. Because hope's a tricky thing, right? Like, how much is too much hope? What do I do when I don't have enough hope? And it's scary, right? Because if you have hope and then you get disappointed, what do you do? So I did. I have funerals all the time. Well, that didn't work out. So let me just bury that hope. Let me bury that desire. Then I read verses like in Romans and it says, hope's not disappoint us. I'm like, are you kidding me? I've only been disappointed by hope. So then I realized that when I got an order, I wasn't disappointed by hope. It was that my hope was misplaced. I had put my hope in other people. Will you tell me I'm worthy? Will you tell me I'm good enough? Will you love me? When it didn't happen the way that I thought it should, I was disappointed. Because my hope was in the wrong place. I'll put it in things. Surely you'll fulfill me if I could just get this, this career. When it didn't happen or it didn't turn out the way I wanted to, guess what? I was disappointed yet again. See, that, that verse must not be right. Hope disappoints all the time. That buried further and further. It's a desire. Put my hope in the desire. God, I really want to be married. And then it doesn't happen. And when my hope is only in that desire being fulfilled, guess what? And I realized that as I gave my hope to all these things, I was never going to be fulfilled or satisfied. I wonder if some of us in this room maybe don't feel the same way. We've looked to people to fulfill us, to satisfy us. We've looked to careers, making a name for ourselves to fulfill and satisfy us. If I just get this, then I'll be okay. Or maybe we turn to our desires. Well, when this is fulfilled in my life, when I get this thing, then I'll be happy. Then I'll be joyful. Then I'll have peace. And we've given our hope away to all these things and come up empty. Disappointed. Because our hope was never in the people or the, the desires or the things. It's in a person, Jesus Christ. And anytime we give our hope to anything else, we will be empty. At Asbury, every class that comes in gets a class hymn. My class hymn is My Hope is Built. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. That's our hope. That's our hope. And I wonder before we keep going tonight, is anybody really just brave enough to say, that's me? put my hope somewhere else. If I'm honest right now, I'm a little disappointed. But I don't want to keep hearing that disappointment. He wants nothing more than to order your affections and desires. He wants nothing more than to be your hope. And he, he will never disappoint. He will never disappoint us. So tonight we're going to be in Mark chapter 5. So if you guys have Bible too. These are some of my favorite passages in all of scripture. I don't know why I'm supposed to have favorites, but they are. Um, and, but I, I have loved as I've been preparing for tonight and praying for tonight. 
just how it's come alive in a whole new way for me. And I'm kind of excited because there's a couple different ways this is going to go tonight, and I'm not sure exactly where we're going, but I know the Holy Spirit knows where we're going, so hang on. Hang on. What I want to talk to the, about tonight, and I love how the Lord is just weaving all of our, our sermons together, but desperate hope. Desperate hope. And I was looking up desperate hope because the definition is, is when you are desperate enough that you're willing to try anything. When you're desperate enough for something to happen that you're willing to try anything. Say, God, if you don't move, if you don't move, I don't know what the outcome's going to be. For my kids, for my marriage, for my grandkids, for my family, for my church. God, if you don't move, I'm willing to do anything. I'm willing to do anything. And I love the sequence of stories that actually begins in Mark 4. The very end of Mark 4. And you see this pattern over and over and over again of people in desperate situations crying out to God. And I love that. Because we're there. And I just saw that a thousand times over at the outpouring. People desperate, hungry, willing to do anything, sell their car, fly halfway around the world, leave work, just to get at the feet of Jesus. And you know what? He met them every time. Did he meet them the way that they thought he did? He meet them? Sometimes no. He met them with himself. And that's, my friends, what we all need. That's what I need. That's what I need. So the end of Mark chapter 4, we see, I love this because all each chapter they just go across the lake, go across the lake. But Jesus sends the disciples with, he's with them and they go across the lake. And then a serious storm comes across. And I think this is interesting, right? Because who led them and said, let's go to the other side? Who knows everything? Who knew the storm was coming? What did he decide to do? Take a nap! Take a nap! Oh, doesn't it feel like he's sleeping sometimes, though? Storm is coming. You're in the middle of it. You're about to drown. And it feels like he's not answering you. Where are you, God? You sleeping? You know he doesn't sleep or slumber but sometimes sure does feel like he does. We see the, the disciples are trying to like get the water out of the boat, and they run to the teacher and say, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? I appreciate the honesty. Don't you care, Jesus, that I'm going through this? Don't you care that my family's walking? Jesus, don't you care? And I love what it says next. He got up. He spoke to the wind and the waves to him be still. He met them in their moment of desperation. They thought they were going to die. Jesus, teacher, don't you care if we break them? Like our lives are at stake. Do something. He changed the atmosphere. He spoke to the wind and the waves. I wonder if some of us tonight are in the middle of that storm. And if we're honest, it does feel like Jesus is asleep. 
He's not answering us. He's been slumbering. He's quiet. And we need him to change the atmosphere. You're still going to be in the boat, but the storm needs to change. I wonder if some of us tonight don't need to hear him say, Peace be still. They get to the other side of the lake. They come up with a man. He's demon possessed. They 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 chains his hands and his feet, and he keeps breaking out of them. And he wanders and cries out all night through the tombs, cutting himself. Some of you in this room know what it's like to be in bondage. And maybe we can't see your chains, but you know they're there. You know them. The anguish of those shapes, and the pain they've caused, the damage they've caused, the, the addiction that your your life has just been chained to, so much so that you're willing to hurt yourself because you don't know what else to do. Jesus cried out to him, says he comes and he falls at his feet on his knees. And Jesus speaks to the spirit, cast him out. Two thousand pigs go into the lake. It's a lot of impurities, my friends. But they were no match to the one who is our hope. There's no darkness that can overcome our hope because it's a person and a resurrected dead person is what I said earlier today. I love that. And so they, the people came and they saw him dressed and in his right mind. Clothing. We don't know where the clothes came from. They came from somewhere. But I wonder tonight if some of us don't need to be clothed in his dignity. They need to be sold in our dignity. In a lot of different ways. We need to be clothed with his dignity and his righteousness. And in our right minds. You know what? God can reorder and reorder our minds. Anything that's in chaos can be brought into order and peace under his name and authority. We've seen it happen. And sometimes he does that through medication and counselors. Praise God, but he can bring it into order. Do you have chains tonight? There's chains in your family that need to be broken. All on your knees. Because our God of all hope is here. His name is Jesus. 2,000 demons in a person are no master, and I think we're okay tonight. <laughs> I think we're okay. And I love it because the man's like, let's go back on the other, like, let me go in the boat. Let me go with you. No, you go back and tell the story of what I've done for you. We've heard that the last couple of days the story of what God's done for people. And the beautiful thing is that those places that have been our, those places in our lives that have been our place of biggest pain and hurt and trauma. When we give them to Jesus, they are a place of biggest spiritual authority. We get to go, we get to go share with people. And people come to him because of the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Let's go. Got chains tonight? There's no match for him. We're not scared of him. He's not scared of him. All your knees. Even if you've done it a thousand times over, do it again. Because he wants more for you, even more than you want for yourself. 
then we come up to a story. And a lot of these are parallel to one another. We have Jairus, whose daughter is dying. And he comes to Jesus and falls at his feet. There's something to be said here. All the people who are encountering Jesus are falling at their feet. And I tell you, in Hughes, you could hardly stand. Because he was there. And in the glory of his presence, in the holiness of his presence, I've never been so aware of my own humanity. But I wasn't scared of him. I just fell at his feet and watched him clothe me with his righteousness. It's a beautiful thing. So we have Jairus and his daughter's dying, and so they go. And on the way, there's a crowd. We learned about this woman who's been the issue of blood. She's been bleeding for 12 years, and my niece is well. She's here tonight. So this this story has a whole new meaning on me. When I think about 12 years, that's a long time. It says she spent all that she had. She's gone to every doctor, no one can cure her. In fact, it says she's getting worse. And some of you are here, and you've been dealing with something for a long time. And you spent all you've had. Money, time, resources. Like, God, why aren't you showing up? I've got everything right. But in desperate hope, this woman was willing to do anything. She's unclean. And she knows if she touches him in that tradition, then he would be unclean. That's not what happens. So she reaches out and touches his clothes. Some of us has a hem of his garment. If you're gonna touch that, you're gonna be on your knees on your face. And immediately she knew she was well. Jesus knew the power came out from him. So who touched me? Again, after that one, I'm like, 45 people just touched you. I don't know. Knowing what had happened, she fell on her knees. Again, we learned nothing from this story. All on your knees before him. She fell on her knees and told him the whole truth. I haven't thought about that verse like ever until I was preparing for tonight. But there's something powerful about that line. She told him the whole truth. And I wonder if there's some of us tonight who don't need to fall on our faces before the Lord and say, tell him the whole truth. All the pain, all the shame, all the trauma, all the sin, just tell it to him. He's not going to meet you with condemnation. He's going to meet you with love and grace in truth. He's told him the whole truth. And then he said, daughter. I don't know if you've seen The Chosen, but that, this scene, I'm a mess. I'm weeping. I said, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go and suffer no more. And I know it's not Some of you are longing to hear that. Daughter. Your faith has healed you. Go and suffer no more. And you're almost scared to hope, right? Could it actually happen? But desperate times call for desperate measures, and he's moving in a different way right now. But the enemy's told her, like, well, you can't ask again. What if he disappoints you? And again, I don't know how he's going to answer that, but I know he will always meet him, you with himself. So fall again on your knees. 
tell you the whole truth. And then it says, while he was while Jesus was still speaking, people from Jairus is your daughter died. Don't bother the teacher anymore. I wonder if anybody's saying that to some of us. Don't bother the teacher anymore. You prayed enough. You've asked enough. He hasn't responded, so you should just don't bother him anymore. That's a lack of tough help. Just say it like it is. Tell him the whole truth. Keep falling on this, keep falling on your knees before him. Don't let the enemy say, don't bother the teacher anymore. She says, she's not, she's not dead. She just said, let's go. He doesn't quite say it like that, but that's my version of it. <laughs> and they get there. He tells brothers to leave. takes Peter, James, and John. So the little girl get up. Little girl get up. Up. What, what the world thought was dead, you now have a different story in the name of Jesus. Jesus wants to say to you, wake up. Stretch out your head. Let's hope my friends. Let's for me. I'll tell you my own story the outpouring. There's a thousand of them I could tell, but what I should share is my own. I'll tell you the whole truth. So February 8th is my Whatever that Wednesday was when it started, I had COVID. I wasn't there. I tested positive the day before. I was watching chapel online. At 1024, before the message was even preached, my friend who's in the room texted and said, Be praying. The spirit's moving in the air. Before a word was ever preached, the spirit was there. As I kept watching and getting, they get, keep getting texts throughout the day. I was excited. Right? Like, this is what we've been praying for. I mean, even that Monday, I've been praying with a friend, like, God, if you don't come, I don't know how we're going to make it. Because if you don't know, February on a college campuses are terrible. Please pray for us every February because they're terrible. Like, mental health just like goes down. Like, it's dark, it's gloomy, it's terrible. I was mad. You can ask my mom. I hung up on her. I did tell her I was going to hang up on her. But I was mad. Not that he came. Honestly, not even that I was missing out on it. But I was mad because it confirmed everything that the lies I've been believing about who God was to me. He was pouring himself out literally a mile away from my house. I was missing it. It's like, this is how the enemy works in my life. Because you need, he's good. You've always known he's good. He's just not good to you. Yeah. See, he's pouring himself out in love for these people. You have COVID. You're going to miss it. You're going to get the leftovers. I wish I could tell you I'm not telling the truth, but I am. That's what I was believing in those days. But it wasn't just that day, right? You could see the tentacles of all, that all over my life. I knew he was good. I knew he was loving. I just wasn't sure it was for me. I mean, I kind of knew, right? 
I live in a lot of lies. I live in a lot of doubt. And this just confirmed it. He came on a day when he knew I would have COVID because he didn't love me as much as he loved them. And I was mad. Angry, hurt, bitter, all of it. And I wonder if some of you haven't felt that same way too. If we're really honest. You see all those lies that we believe that the enemy weaves into our stories? They keep us from living the hope of our calling. Because the hope of our calling is to live a shared life with him. And those lies keep me just close enough to think I have it, but just far away enough to know I don't. So Wednesday night comes, and I'm at the end of myself. I'm like, how in the world did I get here? Like, I love Jesus. Like, I'm in ministry. How in the world did these lies permeate so much of my life? I didn't know what to do. So I called my friend and I said, hey, can you bring a COVID test over? Because our policy is that if you test negative, then you can go back to work with a mask on. Like, surely, <laughs> that's, that's the answer. Two days. So Thursday morning, I wake up, there's a COVID test in my door, I take a test, and it's negative. I'm like, great, it's all fixed. All those lines just go away, and I, I it's great, it's works. Because you actually have to tell the whole truth about what you believe. So I get to the room on Thursday, and it's, it's awesome. It's great. He's there. There's no question. Praying with people, doing ministry. But on the inside, I'm like, um, what are you going to do about yesterday? But I'm, I'm in ministry. What are you going to do about yesterday? What are you going to do about those lies that you've been leaving, the believing? Lots of good questions. I don't know. But in the light of his presence, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And I knew my friend Maria was going to be there on Friday morning before 6 a.m. And like, so I got home like 2.30 that morning. And I'm like, okay, God. Again, don't tell God what you want to do. Like, if you wake me up, if you wake me up, I'll go tell Maria. But I'm going to set my alarm for 6.30. And I didn't really want to tell her, right? Like, I never really want to have to tell her the whole truth. 3.30 comes. I go to sleep for like an hour. Now wake up. I look at the clock and I'm like, oh no. I'm not allowed to think, but I am obedient. Therefore, she's not there. Okay, but great. She's not here. She's probably slept. Give her 10 minutes. Because I didn't really want to tell her, right? I don't really want to have to confess those things. She walks in the door. I do whatever your friend does. I just go sit there and I'm like, what's the spirit telling you? How can we pray? Right? Because I didn't really want to tell her. The garrison is shame. So we, we sat there and we talked. It was nice. Like, the Lord's moving. There's two people sleeping on the floor. I'm like, I'm going to sleep back in my bed. How are you sleeping that well on the floor? <laughs> You're sleeping in those presence. That's beautiful. So I got really quiet. <laughs> this is literally what I said. And it came out just about as fast as this. We're going to have to go to the other side because I'm going to throw up if I don't tell you something. So we went to the other side where it was quiet and just told her the whole truth. These are the lies I've been believing, and this is how it's come out in my life. It's kept me close to God, but just far away enough to not actually be ready. We're just going to pray until it comes. So we just sat there in the back of the pews, 
weeping, both of us, we came. We came. I can't tell you all the ways we came because there's just not enough words for that. But he met me. And he secured things in my life that I thought would never be secure. He spoke truth to places of lies that I thought would never be truths. And my soul was quiet. soul is quiet. There's still circumstances. There's still things, but there's no doubt. So I'm not saying he can do it. I say it from a place of knowing he can do it. And I was desperate. Those have been part of my life for a long time. There's no way I would have been able to stand up and be a part of the outpouring if that hadn't happened. So I would have tripped all over myself. So I don't know what your more is today. And I don't know where that place is of desperate hope. But I do know that he's here. And I do know that he will come for you. Again, he might not answer it the way that you think he will, but he will answer it with himself. He will answer you with himself. So are you in the middle of a storm and need him to quiet it? Are you in bondage and chains? Do you need him to clothe you with dignity? Do you need him to order your mind? The altar's open. You can spend all that you have asking, seeking, Knocking and nothing has happened. The altar's open. He wants to heal your body. He wants to raise whatever's dead in you to life. My friend, the altar's open. It's not just open, it's him. The invitation's to him.